So this morning, uh, diving into Romans again, and we've been in this, and we're, we're getting closer to the end. Are you guys holding up okay? You're doing all right? We're, we're plowing through this. I was thinking this, this morning as we're continuing this theme, talking about liberties and freedoms and judging and all of this stuff, I was thinking with the term liberty, my, my family this past summer had the first, our first opportunity to visit the Statue of Liberty. Have you guys done this before? It is quite the experience. You pay a lot of money, you take a boat uh, ride over, and it's fascinating. We went on a weekday, and it was packed with how many people are heading over there to see this. And you, you get over, and you get to the, the island there, and you, you get handed a headphone to listen to this tour. And at first, I get this headphone, and I'm like, I don't want to listen to a headphone tour. But as I start listening to it and hearing story after story, I'm like, getting into this. I'm like, man, they, they showed up on boats, and they saw this, 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 this statue, and the, the liberty, and the freedom that they were going to have. And you're like, you're, you're, by, by the end of it, here's my little family there. Uh, Sienna looks especially excited to be there. You can tell with the headphones. Uh, and Chase is like, yeah, thumbs up, kind of. Uh, but, but for me, I was, I was jazzed about this whole thing. You're thinking about freedoms and liberties. And I was thinking about that as it relates to this morning's message. And I just wonder, as we get so excited about personal freedom and the option to do what well, we have, the calling on our lives, but I wonder how many people would show up to a statue of responsibility, what if we had a dual statue? What if we put that up on the east coast instead of, I'm sorry, on the west coast instead of the east coast, we had a, a statue of responsibility. How, how, how many people would show up for a headphone tour of that? But the truth, you're like, uh, not me. Uh, but the truth is, liberty is a one side of the coin and responsibility is the second side of the coin because the truth is our liberties and our freedom, we're not just living on a planet by ourselves. The things that we do influence other people. So when we talk about liberty, it's something that has to be limited by love. It's something as a Christ follower when we think of like, oh yeah, I get to do as I feel called. Yes, you do get to do what you're called to do and you're convicted to do, but it's also limited by how your actions impact others. Last week, John did an excellent job working through the first 12 verses in this chapter, and he explored kind of the, the calling to avoid judgment. Do you remember this? To, to make sure that we're not uh, criticizing others, to be led by the Holy Spirit, coming up with our own convictions, making sure they're in the right buckets. you remember some of that, that conversation? Well, this week, Paul turns a corner with that whole idea of liberty and asks us to consider something else. What impact do my actions have on others? What impact do my actions have on others? A lot of times we think, we slip into the mentality of, well, if they have a problem with my actions, that's their problem. How many, if we're honest, have said that? Like you're saying, well, that, that's their own issue if they have a problem with, with my behavior. But we're going to see in the text this morning that it's actually just the opposite. It actually is our responsibility because it's a two-sided coin liberty and responsibility let me pray as we dive in god thank you so much for this text this morning and how you talk about all the practical aspects of playing nicely together of, of engaging with the world of what it looks like to be in relationships how we are to be called we're called to be sensitive to others 
and not just considerate of our own thoughts and feelings and convictions. God, I pray that you'd stretch us in this, that you'd make us more conscious of those around us and how our behavior and our choices impact them. Pray that you'd stretch us, that you'd speak through this text, that I'd be small and you'd be great. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So I would love if you'd join me in this text. So we're in Romans 14 and looking at verses 13 through the end of the chapter this morning. And it starts out, and really it's broken into just three parts, three different calls to be sensitive. Sensitive to others, sensitive to your testimony, and sensitive to your church. So we're going to start by talking about sensitivity to other believers here in this first section. It says, therefore... Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy, what, destroy the one for whom Christ died. You see here he's wrapping up the conversation that he had last week. And the first thing that he concludes is this call that he had had about talking about judging others. And if you think about judging others, what is judging? You're taking the place of God because God is the one and only judge. You're, you're putting on the, the robe and holding the gavel and he's saying, you got you to take that off. And notice that he says no longer. So obviously it's something that we've done. I liked last week when John referred to us as recovering judgmental people because that's what he's calling us to be is to to let go of that to drop the gavel take off the robe and think about the the freedom that comes with that to no longer be responsible for other people's actions that should be exciting to us you should hear that news and be like ah that sounds good because taking care of myself is plenty of work. Any amens on that? Like being responsible for my own actions is plenty to worry about. It's nice to not have to be responsible for other people's actions, even your spouse's. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, so continuing. So he, he, point, he points to that and he transitions to what I already mentioned. He transitions to our, our call to be sensitive For others, he says, but rather, so instead of judging, turn the spotlight, says, decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Starts that with the charge, decide. Notice that this is a a conscious, intentional decision. It's something that we have to give thought to in order to be careful of those around us. We can't just exercise our freedoms without consideration for others. Is, make, he uses this term to say not to be a, a stumbling block. A stumbling block. I was looking up that word and what was that talking about in that day and age. It's actually referring to the triggering mechanism on a baited animal trap. Isn't that interesting? The triggering mechanism on a baited animal trap. I was watching a, a YouTube video. 
Uh, those are addictive, aren't they? So I was watching this YouTube video of a martial artist that's been in training for years and years, and he was going to show the demonstration of his hand speed by punching the center of an animal trap and pulling his arm out. It was going to be awesome. So you, you, you turn on this, you got to see this. It's on YouTube, you know? So this guy's going to demonstrate this. So he punches this thing, and with lightning speed, guess what happens? His arm gets snapped. It gets stuck in the trap. Because how naive are you to think that, you are, that your actions aren't influencing other people? A lot of us are just like, yeah, my, how, does that even, how does that even work? Like, how does what I do impact other people? How does, that, how does that affect other people? And I know you still have that graphic image of this guy with his stuck arm there. Maybe that's not such a bad thing as we're talking about this. He says, how do we do that? You see, when a Christian sees you doing what his own conscience condemns, it describes it as being a hindrance. When a, another, well, in other words, it can be a distraction. It can be, it can be uh, something to get them off course, to, con- to, to throw them off. But ultimately, what he points to here is the, the thing is, is when somebody participates in something, because sometimes they're like, oh, well, he's doing it, I guess I can do it. But when you participate in something that your conscience is telling you not to do, it's sin. And we know the effect that sin has on our lives. It, it creates obstacles between our relationship with God. It creates obstacles in our relationship with others. It's a negative impact. That's why he's saying, man, you are not acting in love if you're, if you're not being sensitive to how your, your actions are causing others to potentially stumble. Paul points out here that our, based on his conviction, and I, I love how he says it, he says, I know and am persuaded. In other words, there's not much debate in this. And then he says, in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but is unclean for anyone who thinks it is unclean. He's pointing out the, the simple truth that inherently there's a lot of things on this earth that aren't necessarily bad. It's how they're used that determines whether they're bad or not. A marijuana plant is not inherently bad. A cocaine plant is not, a cocoa plant is not inherently bad. A gun is not inherently bad. Sex is not inherently bad. It's how it's used that determines whether or not it's bad, right? Does that make sense? That's what what he's pointing out here. There's lots of things on this earth that are like, hey, that's a pretty good thing, but if it's misused, it becomes bad. I don't know why I thought of this silly example. When I was in, in junior high, they introduced for the first time this cologne. Have you heard of this? Jakar. Do you, do you remember this? But here was the problem with Jakar. Is Jakar smelled very good in small doses. A little bit of it was okay. Well, in junior high, no kids had learned, am I the only one that remembers this? No kids had learned the appropriate amount of Dracar to wear. So you'd be walking down the hall. I remember my one friend, Lewis, and I'm like, you could smell him blocks away. You're like, oh, I mean, just because it drew ladies, like it was, it was a dangerous mechanism that was misused. You remember that? Cool water. All right, so there's more than one of those that were misused in the 80s. But here's the, here's the, the idea. So there, there's lots of things. You think about, uh, you talk to any good chef, and what will they say? The number one ingredient they have in their cupboard? What's the guess of what the number one ingredient? 
Salt, that's right, salt. Any, any good chef would say that's the one thing that they can't do without. But you, have you ever gotten nacho chips and you've got the one that's got like 18 layers somehow, it was the fluke one that got way too much salt and you put it and you're like, oh, like that's terrible. Because things, when they're overused or misused, become, uh, can become a bad thing. And that's what he's pointing out here in the text. That he's saying it's unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. But you think about that statement for a second. That's a, that's a, that's a, real, uh, that's a real mind boggler. Does that mean that some things are wrong for you and they're okay for others? Think about that for a second. Does that mean that some things are wrong for you but okay for others? And I would say yes. I would say yes. Again, he talks about it. You can glance down a few verses in verse 23 he, he explains it further. says, But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Isn't that a fascinating understanding to think about that? That what we're, call, we're called to a life of faith, putting our trust in Him, and if He hasn't given you the green light, then it's wrong for you to proceed with any action. If he hasn't given you the green light, we always talk about it's a, about a personal relationship with Jesus. A personal, Well, yeah, it's also about a personal relationship with the areas that we're convicted in. Maybe it's because he knows who can handle what and who can't handle what. For one person, that might not be a struggle. But for you, he's like, no, I know that you can't take one cookie. You always want four. You know what I mean? Like he, he knows what areas are, are areas of struggle. And so for one person, it might not be wrong. But if you proceed when your conscience is saying, don't do that, don't do that, then he's saying that you're acting in sin. That you're acting in sin. Our actions... It's, it's, if there's any degree of doubt, the best advice is don't proceed. If there's a doubt, if the, if the Holy Spirit's put a conviction in you, like, oh man, I, I don't feel right about this. Like after I did that, that just didn't settle well with me. If there's a doubt, you shouldn't proceed. That's why it makes sense when it says our actions become unloving when we do something that knowingly grieves somebody else. Do you see why that makes sense? If you know that it grieves somebody else, you're just like, ah, I probably shouldn't do that because God has placed a conviction on that person. It's critical in our understanding of that because we don't want a brother or sister to violate their conscience because we already saw that that is sin. So although we have freedom to choose things like what we eat and what we drink, dancing, movies, music, all those things, there needs to be it needs to be coupled with a sensitivity to how it's impacting others. 1 Corinthians 8:9 says the same thing. It says, "But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. We can't have a, well, that's their problem mentality. We can't have that. He's called us to be sensitive to those around us. And sensitivity, that's, that's hard work, but it's something that's part of the liberty coin. Sensitive to others, also sensitive to our testimony. Look at verse 16. 
So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. I don't have to tell you guys that once you've embraced Christ, once you've put your flag in the ground and said, yes, I'm a a Christ follower, that we have a watching world. Anybody attest to that in their own life? Like you are being watched and you feel it because you're like, man, there's once I make that claim, people are like, man, I'm expecting something different from you. I'm expecting different behavior. And so because of that, he's saying you have to be sensitive about our testimony. It says we don't want the things we approve to be, what does it say, spoken of as evil. When people think about the kingdom of God, he's saying here, they shouldn't be distracted by our eating and drinking. He doesn't want that to be a distraction by the things we approve or participate in. He's saying, don't let that be the focus. Make sure that, what does it say that the focus should be on? It says it shouldn't be about about eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the mark that we should leave on those around us. I had a a great conversation with a a couple. The gentleman had embraced Christ for the first time at the Easter service. He stood up and said, I'm in, made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We're talking to Adrian and I. We're out out, uh, at a meal for a meal with them. We're just talking about it. And I say, we're asking him, well, what do you notice are some of the things that are are different? I mean, it's only been three weeks, but he was saying, he's like, you know what? One of the big things, I I just feel like there's just more of a, a peace in my life. I feel I'm not, I'm not as easily agitated. Like I'm just happier. And, and I was like, wow, that, that's pretty much what we're supposed to be marked with. Those are the things that are supposed to be noticed about us when we're engaging with other, other people. That's what the world, the watching world, is so longing for. Oh, if I just had peace. If I, if I could just find joy, joy is something that's supernatural. It's, not, it's, it's very different from happiness because it's not determined by our circumstances. These are the things that the watching world is drawn to. I called uh, yesterday, I don't know if you guys uh, do this, but my, uh, my internet at home was on a one-year contract and I set a reminder because I knew once that one-year commitment was up, it was going to skyrocket in price. Anybody have this? And so you got to make sure you call them or else you get a month where they, they really raise the prices and you're up a creek. And so I called, I was talking to this lady and I was like, hey, I just wanted to see what the newest deals are you're offering. And she, she was talking and she, and she was very nice on the phone, AT&T. And, uh, and, she, and she said, and she's like, hey, I noticed your, your email, Scott at Agora Bible. And she said, are you a Christian? And I was like, I am, in fact. That's great. She starts talking to me about all the, this outreach program she's in, how she's going door to door sharing about Christ. And, uh, and, and I was like, well, tell, like, uh, uh, it's probably bad. I'm a little skeptical. I'm like, well, what do you tell them about Christ? Because I want to make sure we're kind of on the same page. And, uh, and, and, so, and so she explains like that, she, the, the gospel message, and it was great. And so it, it was a great conversation. And she says, you know, I just became a Christian a, a couple months ago. She's like, I can't explain it, but I just have so much joy, I can't keep quiet about them. 
I have so much joy. I keep, I'm like, you keep going. I don't care if you get fired at AT&T. Keep going. You know, like keep, keep speaking up. Because what is the world need to see? It's not us Christians fussing and bickering about non-essential things like, what does he bring up? Eating and drinking. Now, for us, those might not be the issues, but I would propose that I'd say maybe eating is less of a deal. I'd say drinking's still kind of a bigger deal. Our, our stance on, on what we do with, with alcoholic beverages. Would you agree that that's kind of a debatable issue still even in, in today's culture? It was definitely a big one in the Midwest. It's a little bit less in wine country here. But, uh, uh, but, but in, the, in the Midwest. And so what, what I chose many years back, I was like, you know what? It's easier in full-time ministry for me to just not participate, to just not partake. Because you know what? I know it can become like a real issue with lots of people. And so I've said, you know what? I'm going to elevate love over liberty because I don't want to be a stumbling block. Because I know, I know personally, you don't have to wonder, I know that it's fine to have a glass of wine. It's not, a, it's not an issue of, of a sin issue. That's not what I'm saying. But it is something to consider sensitivity to others about. And those who do have conviction about it, to be honest with you, it's not even necessarily a wrong conviction because it does fall into a wisdom issue. Do you understand? Are you tracking with me? It falls into a wisdom. Have you guys ever read this passage in, in Proverbs 23? I'm going to read you guys a passage. This is So for those of you that are like, oh, you're too uptight and you're too crazy if you don't drink. Well, let me just show you a passage that gives a little caution. It says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who tarry long over wine, those who go to try mixed wine, do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart utter perverse things. You will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake? I must have another drink. Pretty powerful passage. Pretty powerful passage. So the only thing that I take and I want to pass that on to you is that it's something that you proceed with with caution. Can we agree on that? Something that you proceed with with caution. Anytime you're handling something that's described as a snake, an adder, a, a, a venomous snake, though, one thing I've learned over the years, like, uh, when, you're, when you're messing with snakes, like, you want to be cautious with how you handle them. My uh, one story, that I couldn't t- not tell a snake story here. Uh, and so one story, I was with at, at a camp with a, a group of college students and the camp director had said, hey, listen, we, we have to be careful here because we get quite a few. Is down in Louisiana area. And he's like, we get quite a few copperheads. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a, a copperhead. And we have to be real careful because we, we've got all these kids running around and we want to be cautious of that. And so if you do have one, we really want to do our best to, to remove it from the, the campground. 
Well, that was like a, a call for the wild. You're just like, all right, that means I need to search for copperheads and get them out of the way of children. Uh, you want to make sure the kids are protected. So I'm going with a few leaders. We're on a legit snake hunt. And so and we're looking under every single log. We're trying to find anything. I finally come upon a copperhead, which is really a beautiful snake. Well, here's the problem. I had seen so many Steve Irwin episodes. I figured, you know what? If you pin down their head, you can grab them behind the neck. You can just carry them. So, so, so you're wondering where the story is going to go and why you have such a stupid pastor. Uh, <laughs> so this was, I was like 25. Uh, and, so, and so pin down the snake's head, grab it behind the head, and, and, and like pulled a legit Steve Irwin. Like was walking around with this thing. But I remember as fearless as I wanted to come across that moment of removing the stick and not being sure if you legit have a good handle on this thing or not, was like, your heart is racing. The thing that I discovered, one, I just want to tell that story. Two, it, 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 it is that when dealing with something that has the potential to harm you and the potential to harm others, you have to deal with it carefully. That's what Paul is getting at here. Anything that you deal with that has the potential to harm others, approach cautiously. Be sensitive. Be sensitive to the fact that you have a watching world that's saying, wait a second, what are they doing? What are they partaking in? What are they participating? So for us as believers to be sensitive to that, for us to, to understand that we're to elevate others over momentary indulgences. He says to serve Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So there needs to be two sides to the story. Acceptable to God, your conscience, but also how is this being received by those around us? Much more important to display our love than our freedom. Last section here, verse 19, sensitive to your church. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves, but... Whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So here, he summarizes his points here. He, he points out, the, now referring to the body of Christ, saying that, hey, we're, we're to be about upbuilding. In other words, the, the term upbuilding there is a, a, a construction term for making a building stronger. You're wanting to look to, what can I do that's going to make those around me stronger. How can, I, how can I be sensitive to the fact that, look, I don't, I don't want them slipping into sin. I don't want to do things that, that, are, that are stealing peace. I'm not, I, I want to be sensitive to all of those things. That's, again, sensitivity training you see here. So he uses that, and he goes as far as he says, he says not to destroy the work of God. Destroy is not returning to, referring to eternal damnation, but all the things that come when somebody's conscience has been damaged, when it's crippled because of, of your actions or them slipping into your pattern of doing things. So he, again, he reminds us in this section, everything is clean, but we still 
have to be sensitive to those around us. But here's a, a little caveat that I wanted to give for that. I think there's a, a, a balance in this. Not everyone has to, in the church, be walking on eggshells as if like, well, I just don't want to. I just don't want to damage anybody. I, uh, we don't have to be driven by the most narrow-minded, restricted person in the congregation. Is that fair to say that we're not to be driven by the most narrow-minded, restricted person in the congregation, but we are to proceed with sensitivity and caution. Some, this doesn't mean that we don't get to experience any of our Christian liberties, because that's, that's good, that's part of the life that God, that's got, God's called us to. But you can participate with a degree of sensitivity. You can think through, well, who am I with right now? What, what, well, that, that person struggles with this. It probably wouldn't be wise for me to proceed. This person I know has some issues with that. I probably should. So just a sensitivity is what he's calling us to. Sometimes our display of our freedom and liberty actually moves people to ask some tough questions and dive into Scripture to get some answers on that. Does that make sense? Some, sometimes your, your, your freedom is just like, oh, well, that's a good thing that I should maybe wrestle through and come to some conclusions. But then also, it's not, you see based on that, that just because everything's clean, that it's not your mission to try to make other people think like you do. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. And that's not saying you can't ever talk about your convictions, but it's not our job to try to move people. Our job is to be sensitive to people. Some people are like, well, they're just wrong and I need to explain to them why they're wrong. He's like, no, that, that's not the job that we're called to. The Holy Spirit does the changing and he might still have a guard up on somebody's life and you don't know it. You don't know the full story. You don't know the reason why he has that conviction. You don't know why the Holy Spirit won't let them get past that. He's the one that's doing the work, not you. Again, that should be an exhale. You're like, nice. I'm not responsible for trying to form and shape everybody else's convictions. Isn't that nice to know that? You're not responsible for that. Put down that role. Some people if you think about it, for have, have different areas that they struggle with. I'm thinking, just on a side note, of how many people, like for them, heights are no big deal. They can go, they can go jump out of an airplane, they can jump off a cliff. That's me. I'm, it's, it's no big deal. Like, it's no issue. But somebody else, if you try to make them go up on a stepladder, they're like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't feel... Anybody that have the height thing going on a little bit in, the, in this room... So I'm fine. That's not an issue. But it's not my job to try to convince Sam that he needs to get uh, do some cliff jumping more in his life. It's not going to happen because that's his area, right? For me, you don't need to try to convince me to go caving with you. I was watching this show about splunking. Do you guys know that? That's just, say the word splunking. It's just fun to say. Splunking. Where these guys try to find the tiniest of caves and squeeze their bodies into areas that weren't designed to be squeezed into. It makes no sense to me. Like, I can't even go in an MRI machine. Are you kidding me? Like, why in the world would you do that? That might not be your struggle, but don't invite me to go caving with you. It's not going to happen. For us, moving this back to the spiritual, for us, your struggle might not be drinking. 
Your struggle might not be movies. Your struggle might not be dancing. Your struggle might not. But you need to think through, who am I with? What, what's their area of struggle? Do, do I need to proceed with caution? And here's the thing that we have to be reminded of, is although we're not to be silent about our convictions, we are to actually have convictions. We are to actually have convictions. It's an, it's an important part of our life. In that day and age, they were dealing with one thing, maybe too sensitive of convictions. I'd propose maybe in our day, the problem is just the opposite. I was reading about a man who goes to the doctor that's annoyed by his conscience that keeps troubling him. The doctor asks him if he needs something to strengthen his willpower. The man says, no thanks, I was hoping for something to weaken my conscience. You see, some of us, the, the, the issue isn't because we're, we're, we're too heightened of a conscience. Some of us are just like, if we're honest, we don't even have a conscience that's bugging us. Whenever we hear somebody say something's wrong or sinful, you're just like, I don't want to hear that. Who are you to tell me that? Like, well, well, how do you determine that? Well, here's our responsibility. That's what it says here. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God, were to have a faith that's established by his word. His word educates our conscience. His word educates our conscience. Where their problem might be that they had added all these man-made additional rules and were doing things that didn't even need to be on the list, for us, maybe our problem is, you know what, we're not really offended by much of anything. We're, we're, we don't have a sensitive conscience. We, we haven't put in the work to educate our conscience so that there is conviction. Are you tracking with me on this? So maybe the, the opposite is true with our challenge. Isn't that we need to be, whoa, I just need to be more sensitive because I'm offending everybody. Maybe some of us need to find a conscience. Maybe some of us need to educate our conscience. You see, the goal is, the goal is, it's best when our convictions and the Word of God align. It's best when our convictions and the Word of God align. That's the goal. We don't want to do, do things that God doesn't require, right? There's plenty that He does require. Anybody else feel that? Like, we don't want to do things that He doesn't require, but we also don't want to do things that He restricts. That's why we have to spend time in the Word, educating our conscience, making sure that we're well equipped for every good work. So here's the charge. This is the, the charge that he's given us. He said, listen, you are to enjoy the freedom that you have in Christ, but it's a two-sided coin. That liberty comes with responsibility. Yes, we're to be acceptable to God, but we're also to be approved by men. Acceptable to God, approved by men. There's two parts to this. That's where the sensitivity training comes in. I think this is a good reminder for us as we figure out how to cohabitate, how to do life with each other, how to, how to play nicely with each other is being sensitive. It's not their problem if they're struggling. It's our problem. We need to show sensitivity, and that's something I think each one of us, including myself could grow in. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this word, and even though it might be a hard one to swallow, there's a lot of wisdom in it if you really stop and think about it. If you convict people differently about different things for different reasons because of what you're doing in their life, 
that should tell us that we have to tread lightly as we move forward, that we don't want to get in the way of the work that you're doing in somebody's life. God, I pray that we wouldn't be so self-centered that it just wraps around me and my freedoms, that we'd be sensitive to what you're doing in others, just as we'd hope that others would be sensitive to what you're doing in us. And I thank you for how practical your word is and how you bring this down to our day and age. I pray for those of us that maybe could use an a infusion of, of more conscience, more things that actually don't settle well for us. God, I pray that you'd grow us, that you'd stretch us more in your likeness every day. We acknowledge here in all of this, we're so dependent on you. It's not just us working harder on this. It's because the work that you're doing in us, and we're so grateful for that. Pray this now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's proceed this week with some degree of sensitivity. Amen. And just as an encouragement as we're leaving, if you'd like to help out Nate and Abby just as they're going back on the field, with today's an opportunity to do that. And uh, really, in the, if, if today you weren't prepared to give and you wanted to help out at another point, we'll make sure it gets the, into their hands if you did want to help out. So have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you.